Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. <laughs> I'm Simone Rochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon I'm, and I'm cracking up, I think. <laughs> I'm Simone de Rochefort. Listen, folks, t- let's take this seriously. I'm Simone de Rochefort, as you might have heard elsewhere on this show. And I'm a senior video producer at Polygon and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, game developer and secret project haver, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. Um, the reason we are very giggly is because I just found out that I can react in Skype, which is what we record in, and, and a big emoji will cover my face. Um, and uh, there's a slow clap emoji that we were joking about at me using when I'm ready for somebody else to wind up their thoughts so we can move on to the next topic. <laughs> and I'm going to be laughing about that. For the rest of the show. Yeah, but then you're going to click it and we're going to slow clap. And <laughs> we're never going to move forward. How much do you guys actually look at the Skype chat during the show, though? Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you don't have the Skype chat up, it just goes over your face. So oh. if you just like if you as long as you can see the window, okay. it'll like show. Oh, well, I'm usually looking at my documents. So maybe we'll maybe I'll try it just for funsies. And if you guys don't notice it, then that just proves what I need to know about you. (laughs) But we have a pretty darn packed show tonight. So I'm just gonna hop right into it. Uh, Of course, we're starting off with some Apple stuff, then we're getting on to the big political issues of our day and age, uh, aka the TikTok conversation and the antitrust hearings that happened last week. And then we'll be, be going into some fun uh, tech reviewy updates on our earbud conversation and uh, my new lights, which is what I'm, go- what I'm going to be looking forward to the whole show. Yes. But first, of course, Apple has announced that they are updating the 27 inch iMac. Uh, a few things changing. So it's updating the processors and the 27 inch only to the mm-hmm. 10th gen Intel Comet Lake processors. The iMac is getting a 1080p webcam. And also SSDs are becoming standard. Those new 27-inch iMacs start at $17.99. They're available to order right now. And they're supposedly shipping this week. As you know, Brianna has recently purchased an iMac. And Christina has been tossing around uh, buying five different computers yeah. Um, which And this really just complicates that entire conversation. So how are we feeling? Yeah, Brie, you go first because you just got a, uh, an iMac Pro, which I, I, I'm expensive. sorry to say this, but yep. this basically like obviates. Yep. They, they did actually make one change. And it's not changing. Yeah, they did actually make one change to the iMac Pro, which is that now the base model has 10 cores. Um, and I think that's the only thing they changed. Um yep. So, yeah, but this new model, with the exception of the number of Thunderbolt 3 ports and some of the highest-end configurations, is more powerful than the iMac Pro. That's ridiculous! It really is. This is a great machine, and, uh, you know, I... The right time to buy a Mac is when you need it, and I True. needed it. And um, but there's there's no question. This is a drastically drastically uh, better value. And uh, I mean, Christine, if I were you, this seems like a slam dunk. Uh, Ten cores for you know two thousand six hundred ninety nine dollars. That is a absolute slam dunk. So uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, so this, as as Simone alluded to, this does complicate my computer buying decision. So I was 
kind of settled. I was sort of waiting for this because I had a feeling maybe this would would happen. And I was like, if they update the processor and the graphics card, then that'll make it harder. But I was very seriously looking at spending about $4,500 on a 16-inch MacBook Pro with like 64 gigs of RAM, just because might as well max it out, and the 5600M um, graphics card and the 8-core the i9. Um, a very expensive machine, but something that can last me for many years. And for listeners who aren't aware, the reason I'm not going Apple Silicon, I more than likely will be getting an Apple Silicon machine at some point, probably not the first model, but I, I have no doubt I will have an Apple Silicon machine, is that for the stuff that I do at work, a lot of it uh, involves Docker and containers and virtual machines. And I am not at all convinced that when Apple Silicon launches, that it will be um, able to support those workloads the way that I need them to. And uh, that's less on Apple's behalf, and some of it is, but but more of it is just that the community support for that stuff, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. It, it also makes less sense for me to be virtualizing things that are going to be Intel-based, like Linux servers on um, you know, an Apple, still, an, on a non-X86 machine. It just doesn't make sense. So um, now I'm thinking about doing uh, the the 10-core iMac Pro, or not iMac Pro, iMac, 5K iMac, upgrading the RAM myself. Anybody who gets this 27-inch iMac, you can do the RAM upgrade yourself and save yourself like thousands of dollars if you were to oh, go up wow. to the maximum amount that Apple yeah. offers. Do yeah. not pay for their RAM. Get the 8 gigabytes. Uh, and then they are now offering a 5600 XT with 16 gigs graphics card option. So that's really attractive. Yeah, that's so, a lock, I have to say. If you look at the benchmarks for that, it's just a slam dunk. For $500, don't even think about it. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Well, and the interesting thing is that it would all be like $1,000 less than what the, the MacBook Pro would be. Yeah. Oh, wow. Here's where my confusion comes in. And, I, and, and this is where I'm probably insane. And I was talking to John Syracuse about this, so we all know where this is going. Oh, no. <laughs> should, should I just get a Mac Pro? No, uh, no, no. It's a bad no. deal. It's a bad deal. You'll but it's have so to buy pretty. a monitor. Remember what and, everyone yeah. said, Christina. I, I was the first one to say it. My tweet went viral. I'm aware of this. I know. What I is know. wrong with you? <laughs> this is why I'm saying this. I'm, I've become the John Syracuse of this podcast with my indecision around what Mac I'm going to buy. Oh. It's okay, so pretty. I, I don't want to tell you your business. I love the the <laughs> Mac Pro. I think it's a beautiful machine. But look, here here's some facts. The value of it is going to drop like a damn stone. It's okay, just fair. a fact. Uh, you know, the future is going to be Apple Silicon. The stuff that's going to be ported over to it. Uh, for the amount of money you're, you would spend, you would find yourself with a with a machine that's not going to have the longevity that would 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 justify the amount of money you'd be spending on. This is a ten core machine. This is for three thousand dollars, really more like thirty five hundred. The way yeah. you want to do it, this is a great machine that will last you two or three years, which is about the lifetime you should expect for it. It's for about how amount- long we'll be working from home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and I and I it is the length of time that I've had my current iMac that I got three years ago. Oh, Brianna, can I ask how much you spent on your uh, iMac Pro? I don't remember. I okay. think it was about five thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, so it was a lot. Um, yeah. That's but you a have lot. like a fourteen core, right? Yeah, the fourteen core. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, okay, Christina, can we can we put a deadline on this decision, or should we do like some kind of bracket? Should we do some kind of voting bracket? Yeah, yeah we probably What's should have some sort of voting you? bracket. 
the only thing that's going to like, here's the only thing that's probably holding me up is I do want to try to see, and I don't want to wait too long because I want to, I just, I want it. Like that's the real thing. I don't have you any. You want it d- and like, yet you haven't made the choice. I made, I spent $6,000 on this. Oh my God. Oh, with shipping no. and everything. Oh, Brie. Oh. Uh, I swear you could probably, bah, but then I don't know if you could resell it for what you no. thought for it. Certainly No. Um, no, in- no, no. It's a look. It's a fine. Do I feel like this is a machine I can use for a long time? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 I think for you, Christina, it's come on. We're in a transition. It just doesn't make sense to invest that much money in a box like this. Christina, it just you don't have to make the same mistakes <laughs> that other people have made. I know. I know. I just it. It's the aspirational aspect. If I'm being totally honest, it's the yeah. aspirational aspect. Um. You want to be a, a Mac Pro user, owner? Yes, keeper? kind of, kind of. You want like, a great cheese on that beautiful exterior? The more I think about it, and, and look, the only thing that will potentially hold me up, because I probably am going to place an order because it will take about two weeks to be built or whatever, is I want to see some teardowns to see if the thermals have improved because if the thermals are bad, then that kind of changes things slightly. But what I think I'm probably going to do, being like realistic about it, is take the $3,000 that I would spend on a Mac Pro, like in addition to the iMac, and just build an AMD-based PC. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. You're trying to be Henry Cavill over here? You're trying to be the Henry Cavill of Rocket? (laughs) I am trying to be the Henry Cavill of Rocket. That is exactly what I'm going to do. All right. I admire that. One of the things that turned me away from that is the monitor situation because, um, you know, if you're doing like the, the advantage of the iMac, uh, I feel is you do get a really, really fantastic, uh, monitor built into it. Right. So when you start pricing out, you know, really good, high quality, large monitors with good refresh rates that are right. crap. It gets really No, I know. I know. Really and I, I do have a, a 27-inch 4K monitor that I got early into um, quarantine. The, the the refresh rate is the, – the the delay is a little bit off. The refresh rate is 60 hertz. It's fine. It's a, it's yeah. a good – it's a very good monitor. It's it's You can't game on it. But I'm not going to game on that anyway. I, if I but wanted to game, I would get it from a monitor. Need, I mean, if you're doing – at least when I do video editing, I need two monitors. Well, right, but I'm saying I could connect it to my iMac and then, um, and and then have a hub. And if I wanted to use it with a PC just to run OBS or something, I could do that. If I need to get a third monitor, I can do that down the line. Christina, that's not. (laughs) I think you need to think about what your like next desk confession will look like in this situation. (laughs) Except already ahead, already ahead of you because I don't have the room and I hate my desk anyway. So, Mm. what's great about this, also the chair comes Friday, is that I now have like a very clear timeline on when I have to clean my office. Nice. Okay, so next week we'll be doing Christina's gamer chair review. But right now, I need to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so that you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors. Those are gone. And also say goodbye to trying to remember the right thing to say, (laughs) which is my life. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. And that's why for the rest of the episodes of this podcast, I'm just going to be like having Siri read Text Expander messages to you all. Hey, Text Expander is better than copy and paste. It's better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things that you type. 
while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Chris, when did you guys first like find Text Expander and start using it? 2008 probably. Oh my god. Yeah. You that long? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Wow, that's cool. This is a company with a legacy. Um Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Uh, and obviously, it's improved in the thousand years since 2008. How long ago genuinely was that? That was 12 years ago. 12 years ago? Oh, God. Take your time back like you I can't do. With I was 18. <laughs> yep. Yep, I was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that's time that I can never take back, even with Text Expander. Increase your productivity as well. Rocket listeners get 20% off their first year. That's 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. All right. Thank you so much, Text Expander, for your support of this show and of Relay FM. Can I tell you a fun little fact about Smile before we move uh, on? Yeah, always. There's... Their CEO, I put out a call this week on Twitter because I was trying to write a code of conduct for my secret project and organization where we have a lot of employees. And the CEO of Smile personally read my proposal and slid into my DMs and gave me a 10 out of 10 suggestion about my code of conduct. And what? that's like, that's, that's like, amazing. that's a good guy. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's a really good nice. Person. That's why you should support them. Smile. All right, moving on. So our next topic is one that mostly Bree and I are going to cover, uh, and you'll find out why. As I remind <laughs> you now that Christina works for Microsoft and is an employee of Microsoft. Guess what? Yep. Microsoft is in talks to acquire TikTok. Uh, they've got to figure that out before the September 15th deadline that uh, President Trump has seemingly arbitrarily imposed on TikTok either being bought by an American company or being banned in the U.S. Um, and if Microsoft buys TikTok, they would then theoretically migrate the code to the USA within a year. And if closed, that deal will be billions and billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> uh, Microsoft is certainly one of the only companies that has both the money and the tech infrastructure to accomplish such such a task, monumental though it may be. And unless you count LinkedIn, which I don't, it would also be baby's <laughs> first social media. Exciting. I liked how Casey Newton had a tweet that was like, Microsoft is creating a cradle to the grave <laughs> experience <laughs> for people. It starts off, they get you on Minecraft, then they move you over to TikTok. Sooner or later, bam, you're in Excel, and then you use Hotmail, and then That's you die. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think that, that Excel is actually the original social network, just in general. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> And that's what you can say. <laughs> so yeah. I, I just want to say I I I am horrified by uh, Trump's actions mm -hmm. on this. I think uh, just across the board, beyond inappropriate. Um, even as they've been negotiating this, Trump came forward and said he feels like if it does get sold to them, uh, he should get part of the cut of the sale, which just feels like mafia tactics to me. I mean, it's disgusting and bizarre at the same time. Um, yeah, you know, we've talked on the show many times. I do think there is 
a legitimate conversation to be had about TikTok and privacy, but it applies to other social media companies just as much. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'd love to know if you feel this way, Simone, but I, I can't help but notice that you know, t- Trump's Tulsa rally was disrupted on TikTok. You've got Sarah Cooper making fun of him famously on TikTok and kind of think that, you know, this goes with Trump's meta-racism and maybe he's uh, just exercising that vindictive nature we know so well. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily feel like the the content being made on on TikTok has had a bearing on this decision, but you're right that it it seems to be the thing that he has latched onto recently is like, this seems like something I could do and something that I could influence and something that is now important in my mind. Um, as we've seen before, and it, it's gone from, Hey, TikTok, China, bad TikTok, bad to they better. I'm going to say something. I'm going to decide on Saturday, whether they're banned or not out of nowhere. And, and a cut of the sale should go to the treasury. And it's like, this is all complete nonsense that has risen from, that that has been elevated to a level of seriousness just because of this fixation. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I think as far as the, the data concerns are valid, I think that also if I were any other country in the world, I wouldn't be thrilled about every important social media being based in the United States either um it's kind of like (laughs) we're the ones we're the national intelligence agency that's proven to use social media companies to spy on other people and that's a fact um just like kind of talking at the trump and the political ramifications aside and let's be honest he wants us to talk about this because you know 150,000 americans have died from coronavirus um um, what do you, I feel like this makes sense for Microsoft's uh, wider strategy? Isn't it so interesting? It really is. Um, you know, because they've the thing is like Microsoft is doing really interesting things, but uh, like their Minecraft play really pl- paid off well, and I think with them owning a social media network like this, even if it's just the American version of this, I don't know. I think it helps make Microsoft hip and cool again. I was thinking about that in relation to uh, the antitrust stuff, which we're going to talk about coming up. But I know part part of the reason that companies like Google and Apple are in trouble is because they own software and hardware. And this is interesting because Microsoft no longer makes phones. (laughs) So this famous phone app, this extremely powerful phone app, um, they can get a chunk of that like vibrant, thriving social media that is completely dominated by Gen Z um, Mm -hmm. without necessarily having that crossover in uncomfortable ways with, I think, the rest of the rest of what they do, which is very interesting. And it is so... off brand I think is the word that I want to use and I'm not saying that in a bad way but Microsoft (laughs) doesn't have like the cool TikTok e-girl edge certainly like that's not what I would ever we're not a cool company I'm not not commenting on anything else except to say I I don't think that anyone would ever say that like we're a cool company like not even sexy terminal even with sexy terminal it was like oh there's a specific group of people who think new terminal is sexy it's not the TikTok teens. Um, so so I, I think it's just, it's an interesting 
misfit that makes sense because it is so different. Yeah. No, I, well, first of all, I do think Microsoft is sexy. You've got Xbox Division, very sexy. Uh, you know, you've got Minecraft, that's very sexy. Minecraft I think Surface, is the furthest thing from sexy. It's sexy in a fun way, okay. right? Like it's, I it's, mean, it's. No. <laughs> Not sexy sexual, like sexy cool, right? Um, yeah, but that's Xbox. Okay, fine. Uh, how, surface hardware. Surface hardware, definitely okay. sexy. Fair. So that's Fair. that's just my opinion. Uh, please don't uh, make fun of my orientation. Um, <laughs> but, but overall, um, you know, there, there seems to be this pattern, right? Do you remember what podcasts were in the very, 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 very earliest days? It was for people that had iPods before everyone else had iPods, and they would create this content and put it out there. Um, and then other people got involved and made podcasts something with a lot broader appeal and something more social. Um, I think if Microsoft were to buy TikTok, I'm really excited to see what this particular format becomes when a wider array of people are using it. I mean, Christina, I was joking about this on Twitter, but I'm dead serious. Like the idea of dev videos being put out on TikTok, that's really, that, that could really be interesting and awesome. No, so. I agree. And and the one thing I will say is that although I am not creating any TikTok content uh, about dev stuff, there are people who who are. And what they're doing is actually kind of awesome, especially yeah. the the people who are like younger and like native to that. Um, like there's this this kid who made uh, he was using Visual Studio Code and he was using some Python script to basically have uh, like like you know like text somebody everything that was coming out of like an audio, like like he'd play an audio file and it would like text all the words like in, in succession to one of his friends. And it was this awesome, hilarious demo. Um, and it, what was great was in the comments, everybody was like, how did you do that? And people were like kind of wanting to learn Python because of this hmm. TikTok video. Wow. That's really cool. Uh, I guess I will also, as I guess a counter point maybe not a counterpoint maybe that's a strong word but i think tiktok is very special in that it is one of the only new truly new social networks we've seen grow up in the last few years and i think we've seen over and over again with like exciting new announcements of social networks that have burst on twitter and then been used by journalists only and then folded i'm thinking are, of are you saying that peach is is How? not still a thing I, I gotta i gotta insist that peach may not be a thing anymore um tiktok has shown that it has staying power and having that consolidate into one of yet another of the wealthiest companies in the world an american-based company is like not it's not a great outcome um, in in terms of, I guess, broader tech dem- democracy, I think. Uh, that being said, I have, like, nothing against Microsoft as a company. And as I said earlier, like, it's cool for them. It's very cool. And it's interesting. Um, and we'll be having big conversations if this deal goes through about content moderation and privacy. Uh, pro- for the first time, having those conversations about Microsoft <laughs> instead of about Facebook and Amazon and everyone else, uh, which is, of course, our next topic. Brianna, any final thoughts on this? No, I just, uh, um, I 
I think there's a national security argument. Like it's good for America for these things to be here. Uh, it's not great for the rest of the world necessarily. So yeah, there yeah, it is. Suck it. Um, I would be remiss not to mention Instagram did launch reels today and we'll probably be talking about <laughs> it, but I haven't had a chance to mess with it yet. Therefore I will move on to the antitrust hearings. So six wow. beautiful hours of Brianna Wu's time last week and also our, our government, um, the uh, Congress heard, or rather, ugh, Congress questioned four very important people about antitrust. So they grilled all at the same time Jeff Bezos about Amazon, uh, Tim Cook about Apple, Mark Zuckerberg about Facebook, and Sundar Pichai about Google. Uh, if you're thinking, wow, that's a lot of information to get through, that's how I felt as I was researching this topic. <laughs> Uh, at the end of these these hours and hours of questioning, it sort of seems like the members of the subcommittee are leaning towards regulating the companies. But I think we should probably go through each one, why they were being questioned, and what uh, what they were what came out of the months and months, I think thirteen months of discovery that Congress did uh, in preparation for this meeting. You, you mean instead of just a bunch of, like, political grandstanding? Instead of a bunch of political grandstanding, which it seems, not to get political, a lot of the questions and things that I was reading about seemed, it, it often turned to questioning from Republican uh-huh. members of Congress about, hey, conservatives are being suppressed on your your service, right? Which like is so oh, freaking far from the conversation that we are need to be having right now. Oh my god, you guys, calm down and stop. Can't you be satisfied? Side note: I'm not going to get into it because I'm not going to get into it. But as somebody who actually knows the backstory of how the Gizmodo article about the Facebook stuff that everyone cites and knows like a lot of the background about that, I I, I find so much of this like hysterical. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um. Can we all agree that asking Tim Cook to talk about and to comment on Twitter's banning was not a good use of the committee's time? Absolutely. Uh, I I mean, and and, and I'm going to, I'm just going to be honest and say, I think on both sides of the aisle, I mean, obviously, you know, Republicans did a lot of this, uh, more of this in in terms of the you're against us stuff. But I think a lot of this was, was just really like trying to score points on C-SPAN and have, you know, like a good soundbite for for the election and for their constituents than it was about actually trying to get any answers. But that's that's me. I so I I fully agree with you. There was a ton of grandstanding in this. There there was Republicans, Democrats, plenty of critique to go around. I wanted to punch my monitor listening <laughs> to some of it. But but real talk. Um, we have critiqued the federal government in these kinds of committees for being oblivious on tech issues before. Agreed. No, they, 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 were, they were up to date. They subpoenaed a lot of documents mm-hmm. and they had facts and they asked, generally speaking, incredibly tough questions. And I, I have to say, as someone who I was in the office, I, was, I watched every second of it. And I think overall, I was very impressed with the evidence that they came up with as evidence for antitrust and how uh, how concisely they, they put it to the public. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, the only thing I'll push back on is I think the evidence was good. I think the presentation of the evidence was 
that that's where I'm going to like actually think that in a, I think they did a disservice to their own argument, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll stop. Sorry, Simone. That is a wonderful transition into kind of going down this list. So I will start with Amazon because of alphabetical order. Uh, they were, of course, there to be questioned about the use uh, about Amazon employees potentially using third party uh, data sales data on third party sellers. Oh, why am I having so much trouble talking? Because uh, I'm not using text expander to say the right words. Um, Sales data from third-party sellers uh, to inform the development and promotion of Amazon's own products. Um, That was interesting because Bezos was asked, like, hey, do you do that? And he said, well, we're not supposed to do that, but I don't actually, I cannot actually say that that has never happened, Um, which, of course, like, Amazon does have a very long history of uh, developing products that are already best-selling products on its platform. And the example that was uh, brought up as evidence was about diapers.com, um, which was a competitor to Amazon, and Amazon cut prices on diapers and eventually then acquired diapers.com. Uh, so that was obviously something that the committee was very interested in. Uh, They were also questioned about the proliferation of counterfeit goods on the site and what that does to third-party buyers and sellers. Thoughts and feelings? Uh, So I think if I wanted to rank uh, who got master blasted the hardest (laughs) from from most to least, I think uh, Amazon uh, got it the worst. Um, The takeaway I had from this was... Yeah, Jeff Bezos doesn't seem to understand anything that goes on on his own company. And he repeatedly tried to portray it like Amazon, like it's this scrappy startup that's just yeah. so gosh darn idealistic about how much we love our customers. Uh, and it, it just felt like crap to me. So just, I thought he got masked. They don't care about their customers and they don't care about their employees. And obviously I'm biased, but no, I'm also right. You are right. Uh, I thought he got master blasted the hardest. Uh, Zuckerberg had tougher questions to answer. The thing is, he has been coached within an inch of his life (laughs) at this point from doing it so often. So he weaseled his way out of most of it. Uh, I think Google, there weren't any really big, huge moments with Google. And, uh, you know, Tim Cook was just boring through the whole thing. That was That's a benefit for him, I think. Oh, man. The the Apple stuff is interesting. One more thing that I did not realize about Amazon, but this comes from a Verge piece. I learned that apparently ring doorbells were uh, called an essential good on Amazon during the pandemic, so their distribution (laughs) wasn't interrupted. But Amazon's competitors selling smart doorbells were not considered essential goods, which is like, y'all are idiots. Which to me, I think that's a much stronger argument than diapers.com. Like diapers.com, I actually don't think is a strong argument because Mm. Amazon has a long history of doing that literally since its inception. So literally you go back to like 1996, 1995, whatever, whenever it was started, like Amazon has been doing that where they undercut prices and then buy their competitors. They've literally been doing this for as long as they've been a public company. So if you want to make that argument, I'm not opposed to it, I guess, but I don't think it's the strongest one. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually a much stronger argument to say, well, we are continuing to, and, and, and they have a long history of this, of promoting our products is essential, for instance, whereas our competitors can't. And so they can be ordered and will be um, prioritized. 
beyond that, the Amazon basics often get a priority over other, um, you know, mm-hmm. similar uh, products and get higher listings. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, the counterfeit stuff, like you don't have, like Amazon doesn't have a counterfeit problem with Amazon basics, right? So they protect their own things that they yeah. own. But when it comes to, you know, other people who many brands have had to go to the point where they have to basically ban Amazon from selling their product, like 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 Timberlands will not sell on Amazon because of the the problem with counterfeiting. That's a massive problem because then you are cutting off literally the number one retailer in the world mm-hmm. just because you don't want your product stolen and, and Amazon won't do anything about it. Like it, you know, and, and they, they they catch one and then you know a, a million more hydras prop up. And the problem is is that for consumers, if something says you know shipped and sold by Amazon. You think, okay, well, this is a legitimate thing. It's not coming from another reseller store or whatnot. This is an actual Amazon thing. That's not the nope. case. And so, uh, you know, I think that those questions, the things around counterfeiting and the things around how they promote their products over others was a really, really strong argument. Yes, definitely. And actually, that kind of leads well into touching on Google's questioning um, because it actually does relate to, again, privilege in search engines this search engine being Google. So Mm -hmm. uh, according to the CNET story on this, Google processes 90% of all online searches in the U.S. And Sundar Pichai was being grilled about about basically Google ads and how they make $160 billion in ad revenue every year off of essentially Google searches. Um, And they were also, I believe, briefly somewhat grilled about uh, Google's uh, stopping working with police with face tracking or face identification technology, which was another uh, another frustrating point, I think, in, in the hearings, uh, because they were basically being called anti-American. And then Sundar Pichai had to be like, no, we love the military, which is like, ugh. Okay. Well, I mean, well, right, but this. like, but, but like, but like, what do you say to that question? If if you were if you were the CEO, I mean, I mean, I mean, genuinely, if you if you were the CEO of one of these companies, you you cannot say we don't love the military. You cannot say we refuse to work with them. Like, yeah, I know. if you are one of the wealthiest companies in the world and you were in front of Congress, like, yeah, you you can't you can't not say anything other than we love the military. Yeah, I'm not sure what bearing it has on antitrust because. It on of all the companies, people are saying it seems most likely that Google is gonna be like Google is coming under intense scrutiny for this, and it is definitely gonna be dinged, um, or whatever the pr- proper legal term is for. <laughs> <laughs> Not the ding; they're convicted of ding. Yeah, they they're gonna get convicted ding. of ding, which is really <laughs> unfortunate for them. So I, I just uh, I didn't find out about this until uh, I was on Twitter this weekend, uh, um, and Leah was going through the Microsoft agreement from the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and you know people often with this argument they're like, oh, it's too big, it's too hard to do, and he started going through it, and everything that the Justice Department ordered as a remedy to uh, back in the nineties. It's so freaking reasonable if you're looking at it. It's like appointing people to teams to do oversight, like having to make sure certain processes are checked. And this is all stuff that's eminently doable today. So I per- I personally believe that the, the tech industry is only strong if we can have real competition. And I think uh, two of these companies present a extreme threat to competition 
And I do think that uh, I hope that the committee goes ahead and uh, aggressively pursues antitrust action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say on that, and you, you bring up like the Microsoft stuff, is that they can pursue that. But A, there it will potentially be another administration yep. um, uh, in, in a few months. Uh, B, I mean, we saw last time, you know, the Department of Justice like won against Microsoft. And then there was a settlement and most of the things that they won on were backed out. And that's how you got those much more reasonable agreements. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for everybody to kind of keep in the context here. It's like, it seems great. And it seems like everybody is all, you know, gung ho to, to make the big changes. And I'm, I'm not necessarily against them. But when it comes down to it, you know, these companies, and, and I definitely include Microsoft in this, you know, they have, they lobby the hell out of Washington. And they have a lot of people who are, you know, going to be, you know, trying to grease wheels and, and make deals. So um, I, I, it's different with the European Union um, because they tend to be less influenceable. Although on the same token, the, the European Union, it's one of those things where all they can do is fine and the fines are so abysmally small that it doesn't matter. Like Google has been fined so many times for antitrust action there and they just keep delaying, delaying, delaying. And if they end up, you know, spending, you know, 500 million, a couple billion dollars, that's not, it's still not doing anything to actually change the behavior. So it, it's the, the actual remedies, uh, I'm really cynical and I, I'm not sure what will happen, but you are right. And that, you know, short of breaking things up, which I do think that in the wake of the Microsoft agreement, these companies have themselves and have done things to make them harder to extricate uh, by design, frankly. Uh, short of something like that, I, I do agree with you that many of the actions would be completely doable and, and would arguably not even harm the bottom line of, of the business substantially other than potentially allowing for more competition. Because, you know, what's interesting, they brought up the Yelp thing, and that's been in litigation for a really long time, uh, referring to Google. And, and the idea there is that you know, Yelp has, has claimed that the Google is a kind of copied their service, has used their data, and has promoted their own data above Yelp's, and that there's nothing that Yelp can do about that. And and Google's response when when you know Yelp tried to you know uh, complain was to basically say, okay, well we're going to delist you completely. Uh, and and when you're the size of something like Google, it does become an inherent conflict where you're saying we are the number one search engine, but we also are now you know, pushing our own products and services and things that we've taken that we have competitors to and, and putting them ahead of us. It's very similar to what Amazon does. And, and you know, Facebook, um, uh, it's it's not the same thing, but they also, you know, with some of the stuff they do with ads and with social and, and that kind of stuff, you know, they definitely prioritize their own things first. So it's, it's it, there's there are really good arguments to make for all of this stuff that there are inherent conflicts and it's I'm, I am glad that finally Congress is is addressing some of these things. I guess I'm just cynical about what actual changes might happen. I'm not cynical. Chop them up. Chop them <laughs> up. Chop. 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 Chop some more. Chop them up. I, chop them up. This that actually is a great note to go out on, unless you want me to briefly like run down Apple and Facebook. The only, only thing I'm going to say about Apple is I thought that his argument about how many jobs have been created by the App Store was was absurd. I thought that yep. that was actually a laughable yep. and, frankly, insulting thing Dude, to say. Yeah. So one of the, the things that uh, was news to me, this is from Bloomberg's story from Apple's testimony, which was, of course, about whether the App Store is uh, violating antitrust laws. Uh, 
the Bloomberg story reported that Apple charged Amazon half as much to get Prime Video in the App Store yep. as it charges other developers, which is, of course, the infamous 30% cut this right. coming weeks after we have had been talking about, hey, being like <laughs> Apple trying saying, hey, we're going to take you off unless you, you give us money, even though there were mm-hmm. other apps, similar apps from much larger companies that had gotten around that. And Basecamp was like, hmm, hey, what? Um, oh, is that is that so? Um, eventually won. That's great. But yeah, that just it doesn't look good for Apple. And I think we've talked quite a bit on the show about our feelings about the App Store in that in that case. Um, and then Facebook, of course, the big question is Instagram and WhatsApp being forced to break up. Um, and chop you can read a chop them up, as Bree said so eloquently. <laughs> All right, let's get into our dessert. So a few weeks ago, we had our big headphone extravaganza, which started with me doing research on headphones and ended with Christina and Brianna <laughs> foisting a pair of AirPods upon me that I have not removed from my ears since the moment they arrived on my doorstep. But one of the details uh, that came out of my asking on Twitter, hey, what headphones do you guys like, was a few people recommending Raycons and prefacing it with, I know you're probably sick of seeing these in ads on YouTube or seeing YouTubers pimp out these headphones, to which at the time I said, I've never seen these headphones before. But immediately, because I had been searching for them, I only saw those headphones everywhere from that point on. Um, I challenged Christina to buy the Raycons, and I paid for part of them, <laughs> I believe. Did I actually pay you? I did, You did right? not, but I'll... I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll... No, I'm going to friggin' Venmo you. Um, okay. Anyway, it's Christina's official Raycon review. Take it away. All right. So there are $70. There are tons of 15% off coupons that you can use. So support your favorite YouTuber, podcaster, whatever, and use one of those coupons. Um, free shipping. And I don't think that there was tax, which I'm not sure how they get around that, but whatever. Um, I do not think that they are worth the money. I think that for the amount that they charge, they, I I will say this about the Raycons. I expected them to be significantly worse than they are, but I still do not think that they are, I I think you should save up for AirPods is, is going to be my genuine assessment. They are pretty comfortable. I got them in rose gold. Um, the quality is, fine. Like it's, it's okay. Um, but it's not, uh, anything like in terms of the build quality, it's not anything that I would be like, Oh, this feels like a premium product. It feels plasticky. They fit well in your ears. They come with a number of tips. That's really solid. I appreciate that. The sound quality. I I will, I will say the one good thing, the pairing process was really legit easy. Like I literally turned on my, yeah, opened up the Bluetooth settings on my phone. I didn't have to press any sort of button. They were already in pairing mode and, you know, clicked connected and they, and they were there. Um, so, so the pairing process is really easy. It's not going to be, you know, like obviously like AirPods level thing. If you have a lot of Apple devices where you can switch across things easily, but it was, you know, a, a fine pairing experience. The audio quality is where I'm going to ding these hardcore. They are incredibly bass heavy in a way that I don't think actually suits them. I think it's one of those things where if you listen to nothing but really bass-heavy music, you might walk away thinking, you know, these sound really good, but they really don't. The minute you kind of raise the volume, like it really kind of blows stuff out. The profile is also so bass-heavy that anything with with mids and highs just doesn't work. They sound tinny. Um, uh, Audio quality in terms of if you want to use these on the phone, 
complete trash, complete Uh-oh. and total trash, uh, which, you know what? A lot of people don't. So I think that's actually one of the things that is overlooked a lot of times with AirPods is that AirPods might not have the best audio quality, but they are more than serviceable. And that was something that when I first tested them and I was using a pre-production pair and I was walking through, I, I took like a two mile like walk and I was on the phone with my mom for like, you know, 45 minutes and was walking through, you know, New York City and um, down Canal Street and like, they, it was it was great. So I think that uh, if you are wanting to use these for like Zoom or for calls, they're trash. You don't want them. Um, yeah, I mean, I would pass on these. I, I would say save up for something like AirPods or maybe look at Jaybirds or some of the other options. Having said that, I mean, you could do worse. They're definitely not the worst um, uh, fully wireless earbuds I've ever put in my ears. Um, and and they were pretty comfortable. And they do come in rose gold. They do come in rose gold. Uh, I will say like the E55s are supposed to be better. That I don't know. I, I would be really hesitant to spend any more money on any Raycon product just because I feel like at that point you really are getting into AirPod, Galaxy Bud, whatever territory. And if you can get those, that's not? what you want. Yeah. Did you say how much these are? Because I don't know. They're $80, but you can use their various 15% off coupons. So I paid less than that. Um, and 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 I think the $80 is, is why I'm pretty hesitant about recommending these because you can usually find AirPods for, you know, $120, $130. So if you could save up the $50, you're going to get a significantly better pair of of a pair of, of, of um, earbuds is, is my take. I think that is a very fair review. We have a final headphone update in this episode uh, about the AirPods uh, addressing uh, some feedback, some very useful feedback that we got after I was complaining about not being able to pair the AirPods from the control center. So uh, I believe a listener told you, Christina, or who was it who told you? Oh, no, I found this out. You found this out my your freaking self? Yeah, I tested it after after Simone had mentioned this. I was like, when am I wrong on this? So it turns out, because I didn't know this either, um, a 3D touch or whatever the hell they call it, because, uh, um, uh, you know, touch, uh, whatever the what, whatever we're calling 3D touch that isn't 3D touch, um, force pressing on the control center in iOS 13 as well as iOS 14 um, on the Bluetooth button, if you do it long enough, it will pull up the fact that it's connected or not, and then it will take you to a list of your devices so you can pair from the control center, which I mm-hmm. I didn't press long and hard enough about, which is a great <laughs> well, thing to learn. Well, it's an interesting situation because, so I had long pressed on the square that Bluetooth is in, and it yep. opens up into a wider menu with uh, yes. airplane mode, cellular data, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, AirDrop, and then your personal hotspot. And I long pressed and got to that menu, and then I said, Gee whiz! I guess I can't go any further than this. This is well, what this is what I thought. I'll too. exit out of this, and then of course, once you long press on the Bluetooth button in that menu, you do get to choose uh, what you want to connect to via Bluetooth. So they hid a force touch menu inside a force touch menu. I did not know that that was something that they did, and now I'm mistrusting everything. No, same. I'm happy I genuinely, about it. <laughs> me too. I I genuinely and and it was one of those things. I was like playing with it because I was like is this a thing you can do? And it was, it was, I had the exact same user experience where the first force touch, I'm not seeing anything, but just that I can go on or off. It just takes me to that bigger menu. And so I'm like, well, why would I force touch this again? And then I tried it and I was like, oh, 
oh, okay, got it. So the only thing you need to be careful about is that if you touch too quickly, if you don't touch like long enough, you will turn Bluetooth off, which then just, you know, complicates the whole thing. But Um, yeah, exciting. I wonder what other menus have menus hidden inside them. So I guess we are fine because no listeners reached out to correct us on this that I've seen. So you're welcome, listeners. We've maybe just taught you something. Maybe, maybe. Also, tell us about your lights. Oh, I will. But first, more AirPod update. Yes. So having used them for more time now, I know I did mention them falling out of my ears occasionally last mm-hmm. week. Um, Specifically, they have been falling out of my ears only when I've been sitting in my room for hours and hours on Zoom meetings. So I'm starting to think it's because I have sweaty ears because like I've gone on long walks with these and I've also been doing ring fit with the AirPods, listening (gasps) to music the whole time. And I have not had any problem with them falling out or being loose at all while I'm like fake jogging and getting on the ground and doing weird stretches and stuff. Like it's never been a problem. It is only a problem when I'm talking in my bedroom on Zoom meetings. So I I think it's just a weird, I don't, I honestly do not know what it could be other than my ears being really sweaty. So there's your information. Let's talk about what we're doing this week. I'm going to talk about my lights. Look at me segueing one topic into another topic amazingly well. Um, I love it. (laughs) uh, This honestly could have been dessert. I went mad last week and I bought a, I I had been tossing around the idea of buying a Hue strip light, a Philips Hue strip light for a really long time. And I finally bit the bullet and I got one and I installed it and I was like, whoa, whoa. And then I bit another bullet immediately after and bought one of the Bluetooth light bulbs for my light fixture. Um, so if you're not familiar with these lights, they I bought the white and color-changing ones so they can go from basic white or yellow lights to a whole array of colors. And I have both some pluses and some negatives associated with them. Um, Tell us. So the pluses are that they were both super easy to install and the colors are absolutely gorgeous um the negatives are and oh and they function from the phone with my app and it's delightful the negatives are mostly associated with just some some difficulties with the strip lights that i think make me a little bit frustrated um namely so they come on this long plastic uh plastic strip that basically has sticky uh sticky sticky tape not sticky tape but you know like when you stick um plastic hooks like on your walls yes sticky yeah. adhesive thank you that's the word uh on the back and I, I feel like the adhesive is not quite as high quality as I would want and it kind of looks like the plastic strip uh as I was like peeling off this the adhesive tape or the the covering of the adhesive, the plastic strip was kind of opening up a little bit in the back. And I was like, I don't like that. And there are exposed wires in there. Um, Mm -hmm. But it did stick fine. I've got it stuck on the back of the headboard of my bed and it looks dope as hell. And it's pink right now and it rules. Um, The other complaint is that in the photographs and everything for these strip lights, they're showing them like on the undersides of cabinets and all around down your hallway and in your bed and everywhere and it's amazing but behind your tv it's so cool um and it is cool it looks exactly like it does in the pictures except the cord that you need to use to plug in the strip lights it has a very large a, a very large plug 
And it is so big. It's not just like your regular two or three prong. You know, it's one of those ones with like a big plastic um, plastic part at the end, the part where it plugs into the wall. And it, I just do not see a situation in which you could genuinely like make configurations that complex without like having these very annoying cords going to these huge um, huge plugs <laughs> into your walls or into your power strip or whatever. And it's the kind where you could only put so many in a power strip because they are like so large. And that kind of, that kind of frustrated me and made me hesitant about buying more, even though I want 50 more because I want to put them <laughs> on every single surface in my bedroom because it looks so freaking cool. Can I just say, you took pictures and posted them on Twitter of this lighting setup. You so look good. like you are from the freaking future. Thank you. Yeah, you do some rocks. I want them all around my bed so I'd look like I have a floating race car bed, but that may not happen because, again, I only have so much wall space to devote to plugging in freaking strip lights. And I'm sick of cords. <laughs> um, well, listeners, yeah. we probably have a lot of listeners who have done a lot of stuff with Hue bulbs um, and, and with Hue lights, I guess, in general. So if you have any suggestions for how she can get the most without, you know, taking up a lot of, um, you know, power cord space and and other things, like, let us know if there's a way to, you know, like, link these together, if there may be some other Hue solutions that uh, that that you could use that would also be be good. Yes, I, please help me. Yeah, the bulb, I have no complaints about. I just put that in there. Um, timestamp for my swears. Uh, mm-hmm. I have an enclosed light fixture. I read after I received the bulb that's not supposed to be put in enclosed fixtures, but I did some Googling and people are saying it's not really a fire hazard. It's just because it will, uh, the light bulb will last less, not as long as it's supposed to. Uh, the only downside I think to what I have is that the fixture I have is like a white frosted glass. And I think it's making the um, actual color of the bulb less intense, which is like, oh, yeah. that's disappointing, uh, which is probably another reason they don't want it enclosed. Um, so I'm considering taking that off. I think that's honestly the main reason more than any of the fire hazard stuff, because I've had various hue bulbs for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that that I because we have kind of done that before, where if it's been inside some of enclosure or some sort of other thing, like I've had that same thing was like a frosted glass thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that really kind of changes the, the the tone yeah. so yeah yeah considering well I'll, I'll i'll maybe change things we'll see we'll find out um christina what are you up to this week so i am uh i'm doing some uh just doing some work it's uh like dog days of summer but i'm trying to catch up on some things for the the new fiscal year um, i'm gonna have to clean my office as i mentioned earlier in the show because the chair is coming this week so that's a big thing uh and i am uh, as soon as this uh podcast ends i'm going to go uh, do a community event um with some peeps in australia which will be fun yes. um but yeah no uh continuing to to contemplate what imac i'm going to or what mac or i guess in general i'm going to be buying i wish you the best of luck brianna what are you doing so um, I am working on a huge project. Um, I can kind of tell Rocket listeners the the bare bones of this. Um, I had someone that's a pretty well-known person in the United States uh, approach me and ask me to be executive director of a super PAC. Um, and I took that job. And I am working 16-hour days to, to do that. And um, 
So we'll probably talk more about this uh, next week, but um, we've got some really, really hard-hitting national ads coming out. I'm extremely proud of them, and um, those are probably going to be debuting on Monday. So uh, what I'm hoping to ask from Rocket listeners is, uh, we've all put blood, sweat, and tears into launching this pack. Uh, and my request to you is very, very straightforward. If this ad speaks to you when it comes out, retweet it so we can help uh, you know, brand our, our media presence and you know, buy television ads and give money to progressives and make an impact on this election. Um, one of the things... I feel, and let me know if you two agree with this, is you know when Biden won, he wasn't my candidate. I'm going to vote for him, but he doesn't speak to the issues I care about. And we feel very strongly we've got to give everyone a reason to show up. Lincoln Project is giving conservatives a reason to show up and vote on election day, mm. not for Trump. You know, Biden, he's got the centrist Democrat game on lock. I'm sure he's got plenty of money in the bank. He will be able to do that. We want to talk directly to progressives and put pressure out there for the issues I care about, like Medicare for all. And we want to make sure the Congress and the Senate that's getting elected uh, supports those mission objectives as well. So um, I hope we'll have your support with this. And I hope uh, you stood by my side while I was running for Congress. I hope you'll stand by me on this. I'm so glad that we can finally talk about this. We'll talk more about it next week. Yes, we will. Um, Yes, Yes. keep an eye for that. Congratulations publicly now. Huge congratulations publicly. Huge public congrats. Uh, Meanwhile, where can we find you online? Uh, You can find me at Brianna Wu on Twitter. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find me at um, youtube.com slash Microsoft developer uh, for the stuff that I do at uh, at work weirdly my my video from friday is one of my like most viewed which awesome so if you want to watch that sort of stuff congratulations go go for it thank you congratulations to you as well for having a viewed video you can right? find- I was going to say, you, you, you can't relate. I, 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 I can't I know. relate. I've you, never had a video. You can't relate at all. <laughs> I've never been viewed. Uh, you can never find, viewed. You can view me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon, and I produce Speedrun on Quibi. This episode of Rocket is good, and you should review it on Apple Podcasts. Wow, that's my command. And you can, you should do that and leave stars stars and reviews and everyone loves it so much. Wow, they're crying. They're saying congratulations publicly to you listeners who have done so. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated, chop them up. Terminated. <laughs>